We're going to be in the book of Jeremiah tonight. Jeremiah, and we're going to be in chapter 20 for the majority of our time. I'm going to look at a passage that I think someone actually referred to this passage during our preaching conference. They didn't preach from this text, but I think they might have referred to it, a passage that I've looked at a number of times over the years. But I just really want to, I find it very, very interesting. I find it interesting because you have one of the, you know, one of the great prophets of all time. Not just a preacher, I'm not, getting, I'm not minimizing preaching, but we're talking about a prophet. Somebody gets his direct revelation directly from God. And, and yet he was having negative thoughts. And you probably never have any negative thoughts, but um, preachers do. And I know, we, I know that not that I've ever had any negative thoughts, but Jeremiah had negative thoughts. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm encouraged sometimes when I see the humanity of servants of God, you know what I'm saying? So we're going to look at that together. He's actually thinking about quitting. And since I've been thinking about quitting all day, I thought I would look at this myself and see what Jeremiah had to say. Let's stand as we read a few verses. Jeremiah chapter 20. So we see immediately in verse 7 that Jeremiah is talking to the Lord. In Jeremiah 20 and verse 7, O Lord... Thou hast deceived me. Just think about that. God, you tricked me. Thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. You won. I am in derision daily, in conflict, in confusions. Struggling, I'm in derision daily. Everyone mock, mocketh me. Everybody's making fun of me and mocking me, ridiculing me. Verse 8, for since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. The source, the... The reason for Jeremiah being ridiculed and derided was because of the word of God, because of what he preached, because of his message. Verse 9, then I said, I I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. I'm not going to mention God, and I'm not going to speak anymore. I'm done That's what it says in the Hebrew. I'm done. (laughs) But, verse 9, his word was in my heart, mine heart, as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing. In other words, I was it was troubling, it was wearying me to keep from speaking. I said I'm not going to speak. But then it was just like it was bubbling up inside of me and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. I couldn't maintain that position. I tried to quit. I wanted to quit. 
I said I thought I'd quit, but I can't quit. So I want to speak for a little bit on this subject tonight. Quitting could cross your mind. If it could cross Jeremiah's mind, it could cross your mind. Right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Pray that you'd bless as we study it together. And Father, uh, it's one of those nights when I just want to, uh, the Spirit of God and the Word of God, Lord, to just encourage us and to help us. And, And Father, who knows, down the road, you know, you would know perfectly that one of us may be tempted to quit someday. And I pray that we would we would learn some lessons tonight that might help us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, like I said, I've read this passage many times over. I've preached from it several times. Um, and, and no matter how many times I read it, and I, I, and I read, I try to, something like this, I don't want to just assume that what I think it says is what it says. It appears to say that he was thinking about quitting, doesn't that, don't, you, don't you get that from that? It appears. And so every way I've looked at it, every time I've looked at it, every resource, I've, I always come back to the same thing. Jeremiah was actually, in his mind, thinking about quitting. And so I want to just begin tonight by looking at this passage. And if we had the time, we could just look many places in the book of Jeremiah to see how he, why he could consider quitting. Now think about who he was. I know that he, he was flesh and blood like we are, but he wasn't just like we are. He was selected by God. He was a messenger of God, yet he's questioning God. Verse 7, he says, O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. He was, he was, he was really questioning God's leadership in his life. And just a couple of passages to kind of... Um, underscore what I'm what I'm trying the point I'm trying to make in Jeremiah chapter 1 let's go there because his call his call was so certain it was so so definite you know you and I may make decisions and and we um, think we're making the right decision we think this is God's plan for me but this there was no uncertainty about this in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4 it says then the word of the Lord, Jeremiah 1, 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, This is what God said to him. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Jeremiah, I've been well aware of you even before you began to take shape in your mother's womb. I've been, I've been watching what's going on. I'm aware of it. And before thou camest forth out of the womb... I sanctified thee. And the word there, sanctify, means set apart. I had a special calling upon your life, a special place, a special assignment. And this is it, verse 5. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So he had this very definite call. Not like any call that we've ever had, none of us. He had a very definite call. And, he said, and God says, this is what I planned for you even before you were born. By the way, God has a plan for all of us too. I'm not minimizing that. And, and God doesn't have to put it together one of these days. He, he knows it. He knew it before you were ever even born. And that's a wonderful thing to know. 
And God not only called him, but he kind of gave him, you know, some insight about what to expect. And we're going to just look at a couple of places. Look in Jeremiah 1 and verse 17. He says, Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them. He's telling Jeremiah what to do. Speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. What a blessed verse that is. He said it twice in this one chapter. It's helped me so many times in my life. Don't be troubled by the look on their faces. It is troubling. It could be troubling. If you said, look, if you, if you could take this vantage point and look out, you'd understand why Jeremiah needed that. Verse 18, look here. For behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city and an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And thou shalt, and they, excuse me, they, look in verse 19, and they shall fight against thee. The people, I mean, this, he's, this is right out of the chute. He just got his assignment. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. So God kind of warned him about what to expect. Also in this chapter, in verse 8, if you look there, be not afraid of their faces. That's the other time he says it. For, notice this. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And we read that a moment ago in the last verse, 19. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. So, so in this we see Jeremiah's call, a very definite call, a very precise call, a very special call. And in that we have the, the, the warning he gives them that it's not going to be pleasant. People are not going to like you. You know, but I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to deliver you, and I, we'll, we'll take care of this. And, and so he kind of knew what to expect. Now, back in Jeremiah chapter 20, um, what Jeremiah wanted to, was considering quitting in verse 9 is, had to do with preaching God's truth. I will not make mention of him nor speak any more of his name. Now, that didn't say that Jeremiah wasn't going to believe in God anymore. It doesn't say that Jeremiah, you know, might, may quit, might, uh, quit going to the temple and observing the, the uh, worship, et cetera, the Jewish people or whatever they were, would be doing. It didn't say that. He just said, I'm not going to serve him in this way anymore. I'm not going to preach his truth anymore. And when I read this, I don't see any indication that he said this to anybody else. He said it to God. So he's thinking it. It's in his head. He's expressing it. You know, I'm not going to make mention of him, but I don't think he complained to other people. Uh, but in his heart and his mind, he was struggling. He was struggling with some stuff. He was, one thing, he was struggling with, with what God was allowing him to experience. It's why he's questioning God. So why, though? Why would he consider quitting? And let's just, let's just look at a few places right here in the neighborhood of Jeremiah 20. And we can we, we look in a couple other places, but we could look numerous places. But look in Jeremiah chapter 20. First of all, where we already read, verses 7 and 8, he was, he was being mistreated. He said, I'm in, last part of verse 7, I'm in derision daily. Now that could be an exaggeration, but that's what he said every day. I'm being derided. I'm being... 
I'm being criticized. Everyone mock, mocketh me. And uh, ever since verse 8, I cried, I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil. The word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, people making fun of me, and a derision daily. So he's, treat, he's being mistreated. He's not being treated the way he deserved to be treated. I mean, honestly, if I lived in Jeremiah's day and I had a, a man down the street who had a direct connection with God and was getting truth right from the throne room of God and giving me the real, accurate revelation, I would think I would want to respect him, right? That I would want to mow his lawn, that I'd want to, that I'd want to do things, be close to him, you know what I'm saying? But everyone's mistreating him. I'm trying to understand why. Why would he want to quit? Why would he want to, why would he consider quitting? A little further on into that chapter, if you look in verse 10, right after, the, right after he says in verse 9 he wanted to quit but he couldn't, verse 10 says, For I heard the defaming of many, defaming, putting him down, criticizing him, fear on every side. Report, say they, and we will report it. And then there's an interesting sentence in verse, beginning in the middle there, where it says, All my familiars watched for my halting. Familiars, people that knew him the best, people that were around him were watching him. And you know what they were watching for? They were hoping he would fall. They were watching for him to fall. All my familiars watched for my halting, saying, this is what they're saying, Peradventure he will be enticed. And we shall prevail against him. And we shall take our revenge on him. So it wasn't just distant people that were criticizing Jeremiah. It was, it was people that were close to him. Those who were closest to him were criticizing him and hoping that he would fall. Now, all this has to do with his message. It wasn't about his personality. It wasn't about, you know, it was about his message, about what he was preaching and and if you're real familiar with the book of Jeremiah, you'll know that what he was preaching was completely out of step with all the other preachers. There were a lot of false prophets in his day. And really, if, he would, if his message wouldn't have been so radically different, he wouldn't have been so unpopular. He wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been a source of such uh, condemnation and criticism. If he, really, if he just had a more positive message, that would have helped him, really. If it had just had a more positive message. We heard a message during the conference about uh, Micaiah and how, how the king wanted to see if there was any word from the, any of the prophets. So if you haven't heard that, you ought to listen to it. And, and all the prophets came. I mean, a whole slew of prophets came. And all of them said the same thing. You know, God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you. And... Uh, King said, is there any more prophets around? He said, well, there is one. There's one, but I don't, I don't like him because he hates me. <laughs> and that was that one prophet, Micaiah, who had the, the distinctively different message. And that's kind of what you have here with Jeremiah with all these false prophets. They outnumbered him. They had a better following. Let's look at a couple of examples of that. Jeremiah chapter 14, and we'll just read these. Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 13. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, 
Behold, the prophets say unto them, he's telling God what the false prophets are saying. The prophets say, you shall not see the sword. Talking about the, God's people. You're not going to experience chastisement. You're not going to experience uh, the sword, the invasion of the Babylonians. Neither shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. You're going to have peace here. This is what the other prophets are saying. Then the Lord said unto me, Jeremiah says in verse 14, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name, and I sent them not, yet they say sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine shall those prophets be consumed. You can just see that there's this great uh, tension, this great uh, drama in the land. Because Jeremiah is telling the people, if you don't get right, God is going to judge you. And the, and the other prophets are saying, hey, no problemo. It's going to be fine. You're going to have peace. So there's this tension, this, this conflict. Let's go to another place. Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5. Look at the description of the last two verses of Jeremiah chapter 5. A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. This is a terrible place, a horrible thing. The prophets are telling lies. And the priests are ruling by their own hand, their own imagination. And look at the last part of verse 31. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? So this is, this is the environment that Jeremiah is preaching in. He's got the false prophets are telling lies. The priests, the, the leadership, the spiritual leadership of Israel... They're, they're, they're speaking falsehoods and lies. And then all the people just love it. They're loving it. They're just soaking it up. They're just eating up this false message. And so back to Jeremiah chapter 20. You know, it's not, it's not the preaching that caused Jeremiah so much trouble. What caused him grief was the, the response of the people. The fact that the people didn't really like what he was saying. The people, he, and, he, and he wasn't just criticized, he was beaten. He was put in a dungeon. I mean, he was, this, this was not pleasant for him. And, and it's not, you know, but when I think about this, and of course there's several guys here who, who teach and preach on occasion in different venues, different places. And um, preaching, the preaching in itself, it, you know, and initially, when I, when I understood that God wanted me to be a preacher, this, the, the fact of doing this was just daunting, to think that I would have to do this, that I would to prepare words to say and get up and say those words and communicate what I felt like God wanted me to say. Just the, the act of doing that caused me great 
grief. <laughs> but you know, but now, and I still, I still labor over that. I want to study. I want to be prepared. I want to be trusting God. But the thing that makes it hard is not just the, that the fact you have the message. Sometimes what makes it challenging is how that message is received. And that was what's caused, and by the way, that's always been the problem. John the Baptist had the same problem. Because when he preached, he preached to religious people. They weren't really interested in following him. And then Jesus had the same situation. Jesus did the same thing. He called out the religious hypocrites, and he faced a lot of persecution and a lot of trouble because of that. The apostle Paul had a similar thing. They, you know, they, they stoned him. They left him, left him for dead. I mean, this is, this is the glamour of the ministry that I like to think about. And so I take, I'm here in Jeremiah 20. And I took, took the time to introduce this because I just want to think a little bit tonight about discouragement. Um, because when you see it in Jeremiah's life, you know that it, if it happened to Jeremiah, it could happen to anybody, right? If Jeremiah could be contemplating the possibility that I'm done with this ministry stuff, then it could happen to anybody, even Paul himself found encouragement in different places and needed encouragement. And if you're sitting here tonight and you're a living, breathing human, you know that we all face discouragement in some form or fashion. Um, the guys were telling me as I was come in tonight about um, this interview that I did in Africa in 2019 uh, with with Brother Hammett, Doug, Doug Hammett. And it was an impromptu thing. I went to his house in South Africa, and he said, I want to I interview, just ask him questions. So there was no preparation, no studying, no whatever. And so he just asked me questions. And, and I, forgot, I totally forgot about it. That was 2019. And it, a week or two ago, he texted me and said, Hey, I found that interview. <laughs> And I didn't, I'd forgot about it completely, but it was on a jump drive, and so he's been putting it out on the Internet. But I say all that to say one of the things that he talked about was discouragement in the ministry, which is relevant. I mean, it's, everybody faces stuff. Everybody deals with stuff. And it's going to come to every one of us. If you're sitting here thinking, I could never be spiritually discouraged, then, you know, you'll find out someday you could be. You could even think about quitting. I'm not talking about quitting church necessarily. But, you, but we're, to, we're to be servants of God. Jeremiah, wasn't, didn't, Jeremiah never said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to denounce God. I'm going I'm to quit believing God. He never said that. He just said, I'm going to quit preaching. I'm going to quit doing the ministry that God has for me to do. And you probably know somebody. You may know people, may know more than one somebody who's quit serving the Lord. Because, the, you know, for one thing, the devil hates people serving God with their life. When I think about these young people that are here tonight, I'm pretty confident that it doesn't really trouble the devil much for you to come and sit in church, you know. But he, he would be very upset with the idea that you may spend the rest of your life serving God with your life. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and he would do anything he can and everything he can to prevent that from happening. So discouragement is one of the things we have to deal with. You know, Paul said this twice in the epistles. 
um, be not weary in well-doing. In other words, you can be weary in doing the right thing. And even people who, who are serving the Lord, you can become weary in serving, serving God, not for a day or two or for even a year or two, but serving God for a lifetime. You take some of these young people here that are elementary age, imagine... Imagine if they were to start serving the Lord with their lives in ways that God would make possible for them, and they would continue to do that until they're old. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to think about? But the reality is a lot of times that doesn't happen. It can be a challenge. When I think about discouragement, and I'm going to take a bit of a detour and I'll come back. When I think about discouragement in the ministry, the name that generally comes to me is, is Charles Spurgeon, who was a pastor in the 1800s. And if I, would have, if I wouldn't have given you the answer, I could have take a poll in here, and most people would n- name him as one of the most well-known Baptist preachers of all time. But anybody that knows about his life knows that he, had a, he, he dealt with discouragement and depression a lot in his life. I want to give you just a few details about that. I have a book, uh, I know some others of you have the book, uh, called Lectures to My Students. And it's about his teaching and training for ministry people. And there's a section in that, that book called The Minister's Fainting Fits. <laughs> the fits of fainting. And I want to, I'm going to give you some quotes from that. So please, I'm going to try to read slow and uh, so we can kind of soak it in. But he said this about discouragement. Fits of depression come over the most of us. Usually cheerful as we may be, we must at intervals be cast down. The strong are not always vigorous. The wise are not always ready, the brave not always courageous, and the joyous not always happy. There may be here and there men of iron to whom wear and tear work no perceptible detriment, but surely the rust frets even these. And as for ordinary men, the Lord knows and makes them to know that they are but dust. And then he says this about him personally. Knowing by most painful experience what deep depression of spirit means. Being visited therewith at seasons by no means few or far between. I thought it might be consolatory to some of my brethren if I gave my thoughts their own, that younger men might not fancy that some strange thing had happened to them when they became for a season possessed by melancholy, and that sadder men might know that one upon whom the sun has shone right joyously did not always walk in the light. Now, some people have the idea, you know, that if a guy was a pastor and he had a large church and a big following, that probably he'd never have any reason to be discouraged. But discouragement has nothing to do with your circumstances, really. 
the circumstances just kind of bring out this this sadness that all of us are prone to. This, this, was one, this is one of the most famous preachers that ever lived. One of the most, I mean, when he was a young man, 19, 20 years old, he was preaching to thousands of people. It's incredible. And uh, some have estimated that he may have preached to as many, and this is in the 1800s, as many as 10 million people in his lifetime. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? He had a lot of physical problems. His wife had physical problems. His wife was bedridden for decades. Bedridden. It is said that of the last 20 years of his life, a third of his life, a third of those 20 years, he wasn't even able to be in the pulpit. Think about that. Part of it because of physical problems, part of it because of his emotional difficulties. I want to read one other quote. He said, our work, when earn it, think about the, the, we're talking about the ministry. What, what got Jeremiah down? It was the ministry. It was the preaching. It was the response of people. It was the, the comments. It was the lack of support. So he wrote this, our work, when earnestly undertaken, lays us open to attacks in the direction of depression. Who can bear the weight of souls without sometimes sinking to the dust? Passionate longings after men's conversion, if not fully satisfied, and when are they, consume the soul with anxiety and disappointment. To see the hopeful turn aside, to see people you're hoping will do well turn away. To, to see the hopeful tur turn aside, the godly grow cold, professors abusing their privileges, and sinners waxing more bold in sin. Are not these sights enough to crush us to the earth? How often, he said, on Lord's Day evenings, on Sunday nights, do we feel as if life were completely washed out of us? After pouring out our souls over our congregations, we feel like empty earthen pitchers that a child might break. Now, he knew what it was like to deal with discouragement in the ministry. He never quit. Jeremiah knew what it was like to deal with discouragement in the ministry. He never quit. So if, you, if quitting has ever crossed your mind, then you're in good company. Jeremiah, it crossed his mind. I'm sure Charles Spurgeon did as well. You know, considering quitting is not the same thing as quitting. Jeremiah thought about it, but he didn't do it. And, you know, people have this tendency, part of it is emotional, part of it is spiritual, to just feel like it's just not working. Parents feel that way sometimes, raising their children. You know, but as parents, as grandparents, as spouses who are committed to making marriage work the way God wanted it to, there's never, an there's never a place to quit. We never, it's never God's best to quit. It may not, things may not look like they're going the way we want them to do. It may not look like people are listening it may, not, it may appear that people don't really care, but it's, but it's always too early to quit. 
And we need to be in the ministry. All of us do. So what can keep us, back to Jeremiah, what can keep us from quitting? Number one, I'm going to give you several things just as a way of encouragement tonight. Number one, we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. I mean, that's a very common thing to say, but it's a real thing. You know, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 20 there in our text, after he gave his assessment there in 7 and 8 and his contemplation in 9 when he says, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then in verse 10, talking about the familiars who watched for him to fall. Look at the first part of verse 11. He says, but the Lord is with me as a mighty terrible one. You know, if we, if we get our eyes off the Lord, then we're going to be in trouble. We're going we're to begin to question ourselves. We're going to begin to doubt. So even, even when Jeremiah was in this bad place, even in that, as the text we began to read in verse 7, the Lord is included in this conversation. Oh, Lord, he's talking to God about it. You know, I want to read um, a few verses from Hebrews and um, just listen as I read this, because it speaks to this subject. The writer of Hebrews says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, with endurance and commitment. Persistence. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. That is the first, that's the, the thing. We must keep our eyes on the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He finished his race. He fulfilled his assignment. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3 says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. That's a great phrase, isn't it? Be wearied and faint. So we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. Remember what he went through. Remember that he's with us. Second of all, I would suggest we ought to be mindful of why we started out to serve the Lord to begin with. Uh, we, did, we didn't get in the ministry to be popular. We didn't get in the ministry for personal gain. And it's not just about preachers. It's about building families. It's about having a Sunday school class. It's about serving in, in, a, in a ministry like the nursing home or the jails or whatever the case might be. We got into it because we felt like the Lord wanted us to do it. And Jeremiah knew the Lord had called him. And by the way, as I said earlier, God's not going to call any of us like he called Jeremiah, but he has commanded us to serve him. He's got a job for us to do. And when God called us, you know, there was no promise of success. There was no promise of popularity. Uh, there was not an exemption from hardship. There was no guarantee that people would appreciate what we're doing. None of that was in the calling. The calling was God wants us to serve him. So we ought to remember, be mindful of why we started out. Thirdly, and this is, this is important in a lot of areas of life, but it certainly applies to this. We can't let our emotions control our lives. You know, positive feedback can help 
encourage us, and there's personal benefit, I guess, to that. But, I mean, surely there is. But uh, it's, not a, it's not a gauge of success. And criticism is not a gauge of failure. Emotions, our emotions can play tricks on us. And so, in reality, and uh, I forget who I heard say this just recently, but it's true. You know, the, the, the person who praises you, whether it's on the job or in, the, in your home or extended family or neighbor or the ministry, the person who praises you one day may disown you another day. That's a part of it. That's just, you say, well, I don't think it's right. Well, Jeremiah probably didn't think it right at that moment, and Jesus knew what it was to expect, and Paul had to deal with it, and John the Baptist had, people just have to deal with that. We're emotional creatures. And um, it's easy for people who are prone to emotionalism, you know, to make unwise decisions based on, based on their emotion. I mean, Jeremiah may have been down in the dumps. He may have felt derided, it says, derision daily. But he was doing what God called him to do. This is what God called him to do. And so we can't let our emotions to control our lives. Number four, we ought to remember who it is that wants us to quit. I mean, God doesn't want us to quit. God doesn't want you to quit. God doesn't want you to quit living for God at work or whatever the case may be. And, and really, there was something inside of Jeremiah that wouldn't let him quit. He said, that, he said his word was in me. Uh, in my heart is a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary with forbearing. I could not stay. This is not something on the outside. This is something on the inside of him. God didn't want him to quit. You know what you wants us to quit? Our carnality wants us to quit. Our flesh may want us to quit. The devil certainly wants us to quit. He wants to get us out of the ministry and out serving God. Out of, and by the way, he succeeded in a lot of people's lives. The people who want to serve the Lord and and uh, are no longer serving him. And sometimes we may need to take a break, have a little rest, get our perspective back. But God, you need to remember who wants you to quit, and it's not God. It's not God. Number five, we ought to think about how our quitting might affect other people. I'm talking about how do, how, what keeps us from quitting. And that's one thing you might think about is how is that going to affect your family? You know, how's that going to affect your, your friends? How's it going to affect people that know you? How's it going to affect people that don't know the Lord, but they know you do know the Lord? I mean, there are a lot of reasons to think about this. And so we, we have the message that the world needs to hear. I mean, this, is, this was the thing that motivated Jeremiah. He didn't, he didn't keep doing what he's doing because this is kind of the, the middle of the book. It goes a long time from here. He didn't do this because it was fun. He didn't do it because it was easy. He didn't do it because he was popular. He didn't do it because he got to you know, speak in the big churches. You know why he did it? He did it because he knew that judgment was coming and he was trying to warn people. And if he wouldn't have been doing it, they wouldn't have had an opportunity to hear. And so we ought to think about that, how our quitting might affect others. And then finally, and lastly, yeah, lastly uh, it's good... We're talking about how do we keep from quitting. You may think about it someday. You may think about just throwing in the towel. Um, in the ministry. Not in life necessarily, but in the ministry. It's good to be reminded 
that our work will be justly rewarded. Just like on Sunday nights, we've been talking about tribulation. One day, the, the, the wicked will be justly rewarded for their wickedness. And one day we will be justly rewarded for our faithfulness. I mentioned that verse that Paul was writing to the Galatians and he said, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap if you, what? Faint not. You'll reap if you don't faint. There's a tendency to faint. Maybe that's why Spurgeon called them fainting fits. Because people have a tendency to get weary, to get tired. And I think personally, and I may be wrong about this, but I think a lot of times people think like this, but they don't think anybody else thinks like this. And I wanted to say tonight, even Jeremiah thought like this and felt like this. And you may think, well, nobody else feels that way. Well, I think most people do it sometime or another. In this, in, in, in this life, as a servant of the Lord, I'm not talking about just preachers, I'm talking about just people who serve the Lord, they're going to face spiritual warfare, they're going to face discouragement, they're going to face opposition, they may face rejection. And they may face a lot of, he said it was every day. I've never, I mean, I've faced a little criticism here and there, but I've never faced it every day, right? All day, every day. But the good news is, this is not the only life there is. I mean, as a matter of fact, this life is just a little tiny speck compared to eternity. And I think you would agree with me that when Jeremiah finished his race, and when he left this earth, and when he went to heaven, that he was probably, and is continually, being justly rewarded for what he don't you think Jeremiah was glad he didn't quit? I th- I would tend to think that. I'm I'm th- I'm glad he. I mean I'm sure he's he's thinking I'm glad I did not quit. And one day the good news is. Let me say the bad news is the bad news is, you may face difficulty and trials and difficult problems, and you may think about quitting. But the the good news is. And it's worth remembering that one of these days we're going to stand in the presence of Jesus. And we're going to give an account for the way we've lived our life. And there there may be a lot of things I'm guilty of, but one thing I don't want to be guilty of is being a quitter. Right? I want to be faithful. And and I hope that's your prayer, your desire. So, So as I think about Jeremiah, he... He's really become one of my favorite of the prophets. And, and this is one of the reasons why, because he faced so much opposition. So he was in the minority. He was, uh, his message was completely contradictory to so many other preachers and prophets in his day, and yet he remain faithful. Even though he had this moment here, we don't know how long this lasted, but we had this moment when he thought about quitting. He didn't quit. And I'm, he's kind of like a, an example to me that we can be faithful no matter what the devil throws at us. Amen? 
So if, if quitting ever crosses your mind, think about Jeremiah. You can think about Jesus. Aren't you glad he didn't quit? Thank God for that. Let's pray together. Our fathers, we pray tonight, we thank you for your word and how your word gives us encouragement, gives us help. Father, we, we know that our human reasoning causes us sometimes to believe that it ought to be possible to live for you without struggles, without difficulty, without problems, without discouragement. And yet we know that it's just not biblical. And then, Lord, we know that we could get the impression, sometimes just by talking to each other, by listening to others, that most people don't ever deal with it. But we believe that your word tells us differently. And so we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that we have, that even in times of discouragement, even in times of doubting, that you're faithful, you remain true. And we can continue to persevere, to run our race.